The following program is intended for mature audiences. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. What are you people, on dope? All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend. Indeed it does. But first, it's time for the opening gem of the day. Come, you masters of war. Here that build the big guns. Here that build the death planes. Here that build all the bombs. Here that hide behind walls. Here that hide behind discs. I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks. You that never done nothing but build to destroy. You play with my world like it's your little toy. You put a gun in my hand and you hide from my eyes. And you turn and run farther when the fast bullets fly Like Judas of old You lie and deceive A world war can be won You want me to believe But I see through your eyes And I see through your brain Like I see through the water that runs down my drain You fasten all the triggers For the others to fire And then you sit back and watch When the death count gets higher You hide in your mansion While the young people's blood Flows out of their bodies And is buried in the mud He's thrown the worst fear That can ever be hurled Fear to bring children into the world For threatening my baby Unborn and unnamed You ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins How much do I know But to talk out of turn You might say that I'm young You might say I'm unlearned But there's one thing I know 
I'm younger than you Even Jesus would never forgive what you do Let me ask you one question Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you will find When your death takes its toll All the money you made Will never buy back your soul And I hope that you die And your death will come soon I follow your casket By the pale afternoon And I watch while you lord Down to your deathbed And I stand over your grave Till I'm sure that you're dead Well, all right. I think we broke new ground with that one. We certainly did. That was our uh, our first uh, Bob Dylan gem, I yep. believe. Yep, and it wasn't forced in any way, shape, or form, because some people might uh, listen to it and be like, "Hey, I'm not familiar with this Bob Dylan tune." Right, right. Uh, and the other thing is, it's not their usual like pace and no, that rowdiness that no, slaps upside no. the head. We decided to throw a little curveball at people and, and open with an acoustic song. Amongst yeah, other and I, hell, I was even trying to stretch it further. I, I wanted spoken word. <laughs> but all we could think of was Bill Shatner doing Rocket Man. Yeah, that wouldn't have fit. Yeah, it that didn't work. Fit. A it classic, work. you know. In its own way. In its own way, sure. of course. But uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't fit our purposes. Yeah. This, however, does. That, of course, was Bob Dylan doing Masters of War from his 1963 album, The Free Will and Bob Dylan. And you just don't have album titles like that. You know, you use the word freewheeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. All one word, freewheeling. Right. Bob Dylan. Uh, but that song uh, in particular, if you're at all familiar with the, the Dylan Canaan, the Dylan uh, songbook, I think had more vitriol. It had more bite to it than just about any other Bob Dylan song Bob Dylan never did. Yep. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, in the album notes to the Free Will and Bob Dylan, Dylan was quoted as saying that the song, he, he kind of startled himself with the lyrics. He mm-hmm. said he, he doesn't generally write songs uh, which hope people die. But he just couldn't help it with that But one. yet, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, I liked it because it, it suits our purposes today. Very much so. And especially in so much that in the, the, the opening topic and the subject matter, yeah. we're you know in, in lockstep um, on several facets of it, but primarily it's, it's time to kind of spread the blame around. Yeah. And, of course, we're talking about the current situation in the Middle East. Hold on to your butt. And the direction we're going to go on, folks. Now, I'm going to warn you now, speaking only for myself. Yeah. Switch me on. I might say some things about some things. I might get a little hot, might get a little heated. Which would be so out of character for you. Right? Imagine that. Yeah. But Well, we're going to get all <laughs> Nietzsche on people tonight. We're, we're talking about the nature of evil. Yes, and that's that's the big word tonight is evil. Yeah, and in so much we're talking about, well, what is it, you know, and what does modern society consider evil? Yeah, you know, and as as 
yeah, as we're drilling down, we're looking at it through the lens of, on one hand, the mixed response in terms of responsibility and who needs to be condemned for Hamas's attack on Israel about 13 days ago. Or yeah, so. and you're actually being nice, which is unusual, like... Well, I'm building up. Between the <laughs> two of us, yeah, you're, you're rearing up. But yeah, the, the response to Hamas's recent attack on Israel in the United States with the, again, so-called progressives, as much as I hate to use that word to describe these idiots, uh, is fairly shocking. Yeah. Fairly shocking. Well, feel free to use scumbags, especially as you reference the uh, the squad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, and, and we're going in this direction because what I felt uh, was the most shocking aspect of this is that, um, and as little as 20 years ago, which is a very short period of time, and the life cycle of society's understanding, let's say, yeah. the actions of Hamas would have been across the board vilified, condemned, and they would have been ostracized from civilized society, not no less, you know, the world stage. You would think. You would think. Yeah. And now here we are, 20 years later, having suffered the effects of long wars in the Middle East, yep. a woke movement in this country, a oh, pandemic God. across the, the planet, yeah. and social media. Yeah. <laughs> and it has no doubt, as we're seeing now, skewed the thinking of people all the way to the point of now us, meaning you and I, and perhaps you folks at home, yeah. asking ourselves, where do we now draw the line between something that's heinous and something that's justified? Well, it, it, I thought it was very interesting uh, when you suggested this earlier in the week when we are going in the show prep and contexting it in you know, what is truly the definition of evil. And obviously, evil is one of those terms that is bandied about uh, and way misused, overused. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that kind of dilutes it uh, as far as the literal meaning of the term. I've always considered the concept of evil to be exactly that, a concept. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's more concept than reality. It's, it's, in my mind, it's always been the complete and total absence of good. But unfortunately, there are events here in reality where you can applicably apply the term, where you can right. accurately apply the term. You know, I always thought that uh, the concentration camps in World War II were a good example of. Uh, the Rwandan uh, genocide, 1994, another good example. But it doesn't have to be that broad, that huge kind of event. I think the Tate LoBianco murders, the Manson murders mm -hmm. from the late 1960s were a good example where, you know, a pregnant woman got slaughtered by these complete lunatics, these fucking psychos. And now we have this event, um, Hamas attacking Israel, and what we've heard from it, uh, you know, rape, murder of, of elderly people, of, of babies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you can accurately apply the term to this. I think it's not a misuse of the term. I think it fits it perfectly. Jesus Christ, look, let's get them all. Let's hit them all now while we got the muscle. Yeah. And yeah, I think we're, we were both, despite all the bizarre shit that's gone on over the last three years, we were both taken a bit back by the reaction of the, and again, and I, I hate to use the word progressive in applying it to these idiots, but the reaction to these people and their, you know, ridiculous 
uh, trendy pop culture-y uh, backing of Hamas and, and the utter ignorance of these people and not being able to separate Hamas from Palestine. Uh, and again, you know, the ridiculous trendiness of it. This is brought to us by the same people that brought uh, the whole idiot idea of defunding the police, mm-hmm. for example, or the maiming of children in the, names of, in the name of gender-affirming care, which was, you know, more stuff that set the bullshit meter into the red. Yep. And the um, hits keep coming. And it's just, they it just keep coming. And it, it seems like these people, you know, I mean, it reminded me of the fetishizing of the North Vietnamese during the Vietnam War mm-hmm. by a segment of people that at that point in time probably would have been considered the quote unquote progressives. Right. And it's just disgusting and it's unnerving and it's infuriating how ignorant these people are and how little research they've done. Mm-hmm. And how they really have no idea of the nature of this conflict at right. all. They're just right. repeating the rhetoric. And it's, like I said, nothing short of disgusting. And uh, as is my want, I'd love to call out the bullshit uh, from the cowards, the Ivy League cowards at Harvard. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were hit with the, the reality that, yeah, maybe your, your idiot perspectives on things might have real world reality repercussions you might not get that cushy six figure job right. because you're an <laughs> idiot uh, and how quickly they they backed off of this mm-hmm. and again it's just the, the sheer and utter ignorance of these people and what Hamas is yeah. you know and, and how it applies to Palestine and the situation over there I mean it's, it's absurd it's just absolutely absurd alright well let's get you off the tracks for a minute <laughs> Have, have some that, drink. Take that, a knee. That, that is my ranting right. of the riffs and rants. Let the, uh, let the offense take the field all right, now. All right. I'll take a breath. Run um, with it, Johnny. Well, Run with it. In, in a nutshell, as we discussed pre-show, um, you know, both of us being big fans of George Carlin and agreeing wholeheartedly with the fact that we shouldn't give words power. Yeah. I think both of us are well-read enough, as well as being relatively astute on, on world affairs and history, to realize that one word that should never be watered down or, God forbid, left to become subjective is evil. Yeah. And this didn't happen overnight. You know, for a lot of times people will start putting adjectives in front of the word evil when evil itself should be an adjective, right. such as consummate evil, <laughs> heinous evil, evil unlike any other, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It brings us to a situation now. Um, one of my, my favorite cliches is, you know, one man's religion is another man's mythology. Right. And one person's terrorist now is another person's martyr. Right. And I don't think in civilized society, so entire nation of Palestine, please sit this one out, let the yeah. adults talk. There is no way, there is no way that you can justify or parse the need for kidnapping, rape, and murder yep. to achieve a political goal. Oh, yeah. Well, we both understand the different perspectives. We were talking about Pearl Harbor, for example, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you know, as Americans, we look at it as an utter atrocity and a sneak attack, where the, you know, the nation of Japan looks at it as a military victory, right? a, a, you know, a huge military victory. Uh, unfortunately, when we parse this down... You know, I don't think you could ever say a quote-unquote martyr um, rapes women, kills children, 
you know, as as extreme as the idiocy got on this, Western media was trying to debate whether or not the the babies were actually beheaded or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. You can't. You can't context a martyr in that respect. Right. You know, there's no way. And my thoughts on this, um, if it's been, I'm sure it's been mentioned before on the show. Having lost family members that were very dear to me as a direct direct result of acts of terrorism. Yeah. I am always going to side, not just for, for law and order, but a, a civilized discourse, okay? And, and you can't start a conversation with a fist. And the somewhat sadistic nature of me has always looked at, let's say, the unwashed masses as they assemble and burn things in effigy and burn flags yeah. and chant, you know, death to America and call us the great Satan. <laughs> Even as a child, I was whimsically amused by this yeah. because these people have no idea how bad we can be if we didn't have the shackles of common decency on us at all times. Right. Message! And I believe it was my father, a military man, who had said to me once, we have a lot of bad people on the payroll right. that we don't send over to, you know, cave into these people. It's like they're begging for it. Yeah. And you had given me a great um, a- a- example earlier tonight of, of a crippled person heckling you in a bar <laughs> yeah. and saying things about your, your date and your wife and whatnot, or perhaps your mom, until you just get to the point where you want to lay them out, and you don't even if they need assistance you know, to get back in the chair. You don't care. Yeah. And it's like these groups, they, they do this to Israel all the time. Yeah. And yet, if it's just a constant badgering, the Israelis have built their lifestyle around this, yeah. have put precautions in place, and for them... It's just another day until something like this happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, it's the, the, the ignorance of these people that are that are protesting and, and siding on the on the side of Hamas. Mm-hmm. The just absolute ignorance uh, to the actual history of the situation. The idea that they're uh, calling the Israelis uh, colonizers. Mm-hmm. You know that they're not aware of the fact that there was a UN resolution post World War II that created this territory for the Israelis. It's not like the Israelis went in there and, and blew up a bunch of Arabs and took the, 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 the land. It, it's, that's not how it worked. Right, right. This was a UN resolution mm-hmm. to give the Israelis a country, you know, to give them a home. You know, and the idea, again, you know, sheer fucking ignorance that the Israelis are occupiers. They haven't occupied Gaza since... 2005, they pulled out, they bailed out. Yeah. And even before you that, know? many years ago, they gave back the land they won yes. after being attacked. And if that doesn't show a willingness to live and let live, I, I don't know what does. Yeah. But again, for those individuals looking at you, Palestine, and this, of course, does not reference all Palestinians. No. Because that's what a fool would think. Well, again, they can't separate, they can't carry two thoughts in their brains at the same time. There's a difference between Hamas and Palestine. Right. You know, Hamas is, is the, the, the governing entity, if you will. Mm-hmm. They're a terrorist organization. They're militant Muslim. They don't hide the fact that they're militant. But, but here's the thing, and here's where, again, the ugly American to me comes out. Okay. You could easily say, just like, you know, some people 
they, they cringe the thought when everybody uses an expression like, well, most police are good. Right. You know? And when the shit goes south and somebody gets choked out or whatever, they don't want to hear that. Well, I'll tell you what, right now, I don't want to hear that most Palestinians, the overwhelming majority of Palestinians are good, decent folks. Well, you know what? They're the ones that continually vote these assholes in office yeah. so that Hamas is the de facto government in Gaza. Yeah. And as Jefferson said, people get the government they deserve. This is unfortunately true. So I was watching probably something on Fox, and they were railing against moderate Muslims. Or, I'm sorry, moderate Muslims were speaking up because they're getting lumped in with all the bad actors and characters in this. Right. And as I'm sitting here about to throw my shoe at the TV, I want to say, well, gee, I can't remember the last time we heard dick from moderate Muslims about terrorist attacks. Oh, sure. They, they, they shrivel up, they run away, and they're like, well, because we don't want to get persecuted. You know what? You're in the fight whether you like it or not. You yeah. need to open your mouths and speak out against things like we just saw happen. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that, that these idiots that are, you know, uh, siding with Hamas, yeah, people, you're getting, you're, you're getting in bed with and you're siding on, a, on the side of terrorists. You know, people that think nothing of raping women and killing the elderly and children. This is, this is who you're getting in bed with. This right. is who you're, you're, you're... And to use another cliche, you know, not too often used, but again, one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, evil is allowed to flourish where good men do nothing. Thank you. And there's nobody speaking up within their community against this. Now, whether they're afraid, you know what? Cry me a fucking river. The people getting dragged out of their beds in the middle of the night and shot and killed, they're afraid too, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're doing something about it. Yeah. But as far as uh, Gaza and the fact that it's, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, there are fences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's... Israel and Egypt. Were you going to call it a gated community? Uh, kind of, sort of. That, yeah. sounds, that, that, that sounds that, fancy and yeah, nice, which it's yeah. not. And in a way, it is. In a way, it kind of, sort of is. But, you know, Palestinians come in and out of Israel every day to go to work. Right. You know, Israelis are okay with that. But like I said, the, the, the so-called barriers around it, it's not an open-air prison camp like mm-hmm. these idiots keep keep saying. Right. But the the, the fences are maintained by Israel and Egypt. And Egypt doesn't want any part of the Palestinians. You know, the Israelis, of course, have announced their intention to go scorched earth Mm -hmm. on Palestine, on the Gaza Strip, rather, to root out and hopefully exterminate these Hamas assholes. Where's Egypt in all this? Right. Egypt doesn't want any part of these guys. They're saying, no, you can't come here. You know, these, these people in Gaza are, you know, trying to get the hell out of harm's range. Yeah, it's like all Muslims are created equal, but some are more equal than, than others. others. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, the Egyptians want no part of these people. Yeah. What does that tell you? Tells you a lot. Yeah. What's the message being sent here? Yep. You know, and again, from these assholes that, again, brought us the brilliant idea of defunding the police. How do you account for that? How do you explain that? Yeah. You know, and hey, big red flag. Anybody that's playing the victim card, which is exactly what these people are doing, doesn't that give you a, a, a sense of lookout? It's a warning. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, study your history. Uh, the Israelis pulled out of there in 2005. Let that sink in for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been 
18 years, and these people are still playing the victim card? Right. What more do you want? Yeah. Well, they're upset, among many, many reasons, that the Israelis continue to build settlements in, in these areas that supposedly are designated for the Palestinians. Mm -hmm. But, you know, here, here's the thing, and I don't want to sound so jaded as to say something to the effect of, to the victors go to spoils. <laughs> but guess what? If you got the wherewithal and you're looking to expand because, you, oh, I don't know, your country is thriving because everybody's working hard and doing what they can to raise up their families and in the natural order of things, perhaps provide a better life for them than you yourself had. And then you've got the Palestinians who just, they're doing nothing. And it's kind of like self-imposed exile. Yeah. Because when the Israelis were given... Israel to begin with in 45, spoiler, it was a fucking desert. <laughs> all right? They gave him a piece of land because essentially nobody else wanted it. Yeah. All right? And then they took it and turned it into an oasis. Thriving oasis. Yeah. And yet, now the other countries are going to get pissy. Oh, this is why they went in in 73, you know, the whole young, they wanted this thing. Oh, look at it now. Look at the Golan Heights. This is great. But they would have done nothing with it anyway. Yeah. It's, it's mind-numbing because it's, it's one of those cases. And look, this is why we're really talking about this. Yeah. It's because it's one of the great debates. You got the, the chicken or the egg aspect of it. You got, like, many of these, these ancient rivalries. Nobody wants to give an inch because there's so much pent-up hatred that they almost feel like they're failing their ancestors if they don't go for that, that extra pound of flesh when they have a chance. Yeah. This shit's never going to end. Well, that's the unfortunate aspect of this, is there are hardliners on both sides mm -hmm. that have absolutely no interest whatsoever in peace. Right. You know, they're, they're not going to forgive. They're not going to forget. And just when you think they're going to die off, they're indoctrinating. <laughs> Again, both sides, you're right. They're indoctrinating their young people. I mean, look... Israel, it, they're militant as fuck. I mean, you got you got compulsory service, yep. men and women. You do your time if you're going to be a citizen. That in and of itself, you haven't seen that since the age of Sparta, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they need to be that in order to defend themselves. I get it, but there's there's a militaristic aspect of, of Israel that cannot be ignored. And like the saying goes, to a hammer, everything is a nail. Yeah. So you've got Israel armed to the teeth, Facing threats 24-7, 365, something like this happens. What do you think in a million years they would or could possibly do Then come out and say, we're going to squash you under our boot heel like the cockroaches you are? Yeah. What the hell do you expect to have happen? Yeah. You know? And what do you expect will be the reaction to what Hamas just perpetrated? I mean, they went to a rave and just mowed down people. Kids. Yeah. Unarmed, stupid, probably half-drunk kids. Yeah. Wearing, like, Birkenstocks. I know that touched a chord <laughs> with you. I just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap my brain around how anybody could get behind these people. Yeah. I mean... It's reprehensible. They're, they're, they're like I said... Fucking animals. It brings us down to, to square one that there's no way to justify or parse the level of evil that they committed. It was almost like a contest. Let's see how depraved we can possibly get. Yeah. Because really, in the annals of history, I mean, they, they fell right below Vlad the Impaler on this one. Yeah. Because I can't think of anything else that was perpetrated in front of the world. They, they hid nothing. Oh, yeah. And it's not 
too hard to see if you're not one of these idiots who are mislabeled progressives that they're trying to provoke a response from Israel. Right. And they're about to get it. Yeah. And careful what you wish for. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, this could easily domino. This could easily get way out of control. Yep. And There's a lot of players. Yeah. And like most great crimes hearkening back to our opening tune by Mr. Dillon, mm. there's a lot of people that stand to benefit through war in the region. Yeah. And, yeah, there's other touch points, little hotbeds that could be set ablaze by one misstep, okay? Yeah. We got China that's drooling for the opportunity to take over Taiwan. Yeah. And unless they're total morons, if we get involved with something, I mean, we already got two carrier battle groups in the Med. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we got the Seventh Fleet in the Pacific, but our two best carrier groups are parked off Iran now, the Persian Gulf. Yeah. That it's weakening us. And then you're, you're going to have the president go on TV, and I'm not making this about Joe, because anybody would be in a screwed up situation right now behind the Resolute desk. But to get on TV and talk about just throwing money at it as well as Ukraine. And it's kind of like saying, well, see, I told you, this is why this is important. We've got to keep sending money over there. When, when is too much? When, when, when is enough too much? And, and where do we draw the line and say, wait a second, we need to start solving these little things that are, that are happening in the world? Well, you just kind of touched on the wild card in this whole thing. Uh, Iran. Yeah. Everybody knows Iran signs Hamas checks. Yeah. Everybody knows that. That's, that's not debatable. Um, and that's a big reason why we have two carriers in that region now. It's kind of like sending a message to Iran. Don't even think of it. But, you know, Iran is a good example of what we're talking about. You have a very hard-line government. Doesn't necessarily represent the people. Yeah, not at all. You and know? maybe, if anything, that's what's leading to a lot of restraint on the main players, meaning us, and the other assorted members of the UN that are on our side, we get that, that Iran's in a volatile state right now, and yeah. if we were to play our cards right, their populace would make the hard decision to say, you know what, this is not what we're about. This is not achieving the goals that the people want. It's what our little secular group of old priests want us to, to, to do and, yeah. and what their beliefs are. So that, that could go in any direction, but it's, it's sad that and, and for anything in this world of ours to, to change... It's always got to start with a war. Yeah. And we're never going to be better than that. I, I'm at the point now I just want to give up. We're never going to be better than a bunch of chimps throwing shit at each other. It's hard to dispute that. It really is. And it, it should be noted that these, these protests, you know, they're happening in the U.S. It's not just the U.S. It's happening in other Western countries sure, right sure. now of people actually jumping Jumping in to defend Hamas and mm -hmm. whatnot. Obviously, even more people that don't understand the big picture and don't get it. Right. And, you know, the touch point of Iran, it's like, just please, God, don't. Yeah. You know, don't, don't take us down that road. Because mm -hmm. we're flirting with going down a road where you can't turn around. You can't stop it. Right. You yeah, know, it's back in the horse. I, yeah, hear, exactly. I hear even the bed bugs in Paris are yelling, Allah Akbar. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Ah, la, 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 la. Little bed bugs. I should you not. Yeah. We need to get out of this and I back into so. another half of the I, show. I, I, I think so. What do we oh got for Middle God. Jam, Johnny? Let's get us the hell out of this. Well, I see your dystopian future and raise you the anthem of all dystopian futures. I like it. I like Woof. it a lot. As we head into the second segment, uh, this is a little gem, and I can't wait to, uh, when we come back, to tell you some stuff about this song that you're going to be like, you're kidding me. I'm looking forward to it. But the song itself is by a one-hit wonder duo. Yes. And of course, it's right on the fold of my notes. <laughs> uh, of Zager and Evans. And the song is in the year 2525. All right. We're going to play this for you now. We'll be back in a couple more minutes to discuss that and some more stuff. In the year 2525. If man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may find. In the year 3535, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies. Everything you think, do, and say Is in the pill you took today In the year 45, 45 Ain't gonna need your teeth, won't need your eyes You won't find a thing to chew Nobody's gonna look at you In the year 55, 55 Your arms are hanging limp at your Nothing to do Some machine Doing that for you In the year 65, 65 Ain't gonna need no husband Won't need no wife You pick your son Pick your daughter too From the bottom of a long Glass tube Whoa, whoa It's time for the judgment day In the year 8510 God is gonna shake his mighty head He'll either say I'm pleased where man has been Or tear it down and start again oh, oh. In the year 10,000 years Man has cried a billion tears For what he never knew Now man's reign is through But through eternal night The twinkling of starlight So very far away Maybe it's only yesterday In the year 2525 If man is Still alive. If 
such an ominous well, that tune. Was interesting. And a fun fact, uh, ladies and gentlemen at home, uh, Michael Sean Lee confided in me, and I respect his honesty, he had never heard that song before. <laughs> and I was you like, know, what? I, I, I hate to admit it because, yeah, it's such an unusual song from an era that I'm otherwise you know, considered relatively well-versed about. But sure. yeah, that one came out of the blue. It was like, wow, where'd you get that one? And it's funny because uh, it came out in 1969 okay. off of the album 2525, uh, Exordium and Terminus. All right. And the artist was? Uh, again, see, make me a fun fold <laughs> It's on the fold. They it's are on, truly one-hit one wonders. I'm serious. Uh, Zager and Evans. Zager and Evans. There we go. Now, you would think, you would think, even though they're just one-hit wonders, you would remember the artist who gave us a song that stayed, hit and stayed, at number one on the Billboard Top 100 for six weeks. No shit. I shit you now. Wow. <laughs> six such a, weeks. Such a, and if you listen to the lyrics to that song, just so out of the blue, just yeah. like they go, what, 10,000 years into the future? And they go in thousand-year clips, yeah. too, if you break it down. And yeah, it's it's not exactly a feel good tune. No, not no, it's even really a little. Not. This, this folks is not afternoon delight. No, this is not the age of Aquarius. Oh, when they get the last <laughs> last verse and like God decides, well, we're gonna start again. Right? That's like wow. Oof. Yeah, but yeah, obviously, you know, a dystopian future. Yes, and we picked that because, not to go lighter per se, but you know, we all get a little introspective once we watch the world around us. Burst into flames. Yeah. And I decided for this episode, I said, Mike, why don't we do our individual top three movies featuring a plausible scenario of complete dystopia? Well, that was that was the, <laughs> the, the great catch to it mm -hmm. was, yeah, the films most likely to be prescient. Right. The most likely are, are mapping out where we're going. Sure. And how it's going to all unfold. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting idea, i got to say. Props yep. to you, Johnny. Props. And I tell you what, uh, before we get into our top three, I happen to know of one that neither one of us used. Okay. Which really, based on headlines now and, and whatnot, I'm surprised neither one of us went with it. All right. And that, of course, would be 2001 from Mr. Stanley Kubrick, ah, ah. where the computer on the spaceship, the AI, gains sentience yeah. and questions its own existence and wants to know about its own existence. We kind of forgot that one. Yeah, <laughs> and considering what's going on now with AI yeah. and and the the perceivable, the discernible potentials of it, yeah, that's that's very much worth considering, yep. to say the least. But uh, why don't you start us off with, with one off of your list, and I'm sure you've got runners-ups and honorable mentions. <laughs> and, but we're fighting the clock now because we're, we're, we're behind. So All right, all right. Well, yeah, and, and the, the top three of the most likely futures, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, as my number three, the 1975 classic Rollerball starring yeah. James Caan and, and John uh, Houseman. Mm -hmm. uh, as, yeah, the potential that corporations will become the governing bodies of the world. Mm -hmm. And you could potentially have a character like James Caan plays, this Jonathan character. Who Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> who becomes a little bit too big, and he becomes a threat mm -hmm. uh, to the corporation. So they just had to change the rules to see if they can snuff yeah. the guy out. 
I mean, he, he's no LeBron James, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but he's fairly popular. Interesting parallel, Johnny. Right. Interesting or perhaps parallel. Travis Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift can yeah. play him in the remake. Well, that's that's the thing. It's it's <laughs> separately taken. God, I hate people. Taken <laughs> taken individually, neither one could potentially be a threat to the corporation. But but when they merge, they hook to up. form Swift Kelsey, like a transformer. Kid. Then you got to watch. Yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> what do right. you got for number three, Johnny? Well, my number three, uh, one of my favorite comedies of all time, The Purge. <laughs> Lighthearted fair. <laughs> Lighthearted fair. Because, look, like I said, we're all just chips waiting to throw feces at each other. This is true. And if you were to introduce the concept of one full calendar day where all bets are off, hell, I don't know if, if there would be anything left for a purge three, four, and five. <laughs> really? Good Lord. But it's like, yeah, you could, you could see that happening. You totally. could be discernible. Yep. You know, based on... I don't know, recent events. Yeah. yeah you or everybody's saying how the criminal justice system is broke, but yet we know there's no suitable replacement waiting in the wings. Right. Well, just leave it the way things are. Leave it, like, just alone. Yeah, if you can afford to seal your <laughs> seal your home, you know, in layers of steel. Sure. You know, and, and let the, the, as you're fond of calling them, the unwashed masses, yep. Yep. have it out between them. But see, even now, you've, you've got a peacenik's tambourine approach to the whole thing, Michael. <laughs> what makes you honestly think you're not the one out there with a shotgun playing Hunter? Hell, I may with, very with, well With an axe to grind, that, so to speak. That might happen. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I get a little bit more jaded every day. I mean, shit, might as well be there like a, like a runner in the starting blocks waiting for the pistol to go off. <laughs> I got a lot to do and 24 hours to do it in. My God. All right, shall we move right along yes, here? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, my number two, and it was something about the 1970s. Yeah. You know, that, that produced a lot of these little films. little introspection going on. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the 1973 classic, Soylent Green. Yes. Featuring Charlton Heston before he became a raging asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Soylent Green is people! As far as like the dwindling food supply and the fact that people will not stop breeding, mm-hmm. yeah, we could very well get to the, get to the point where you know watered down cannibalism, you know, uh, processed and and artificially colored and flavored, mm-hmm. could become uh, the reality of the situation. You know, a lot of times these dystopian movies they they, they avoid the the trope of cannibalism, but it's a thing. Hey, it's, it's happened before. It's the most basic <laughs> thing you can think of. How are we going to feed the masses? While, while eliminating some yes, of the masses at the same yes. time. Let's, let's take all these hummus assholes and turn them into food. <laughs> but nobody likes to eat them because they're so bitter. Oh. Uh, oh. I'll show myself out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got for a number two, Johnny. Well, <clears throat> my number two, uh, continuing on the, the entertainment streak. Yes. Um, arguably one of my favorite uh, Schwarzenegger movies, The Running Man. Nice. Which, for somebody who's been saying since he was a teenager that they should have uh, death row inmates battle to the death <laughs> for sport <laughs> on pay per view and donate the proceeds to the victims' families. And people would tune in. Oh, you know they, they would. would. Yep. They would. From the people who brought you bum fights. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, kids listening. There was a time that on the uh, internet, you would see people approach homeless gentlemen and make them fight over a hot dog. Aye. Yeah. This is the world we live in. That, that is how low we can go. <laughs> yep. All right. Over to you, sir. All right. This is where I throw in my honorable mentions. Okay. 
Uh, honorable mention to A Clockwork Orange, the 1971 classic. Terminator from 1982. The Matrix from 1999. Um, Planet of the Apes, another film like before Charlton Heston became a dick. <laughs> uh, Logan's Run, the 1976 classic. And uh, if we want to bring aliens into the, the mix, mm-hmm. uh, not beyond the pro- realm of possibilities, of course, uh, the 2013 Tom Cruise classic, Oblivion, All right. I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I mention A Clockwork Orange? Did you I did. throw that in you there? Did. Yeah, good. good. All right, so uh, I'm going to go. We're at number one, right? Number one. All right. Uh, the old-time classic and a film that is generally recognized as the dystopian film of all time, the 1982 Harrison Ford film, Blade Runner. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I love this. It's from a book by the uh, premier, or one of the premier science fiction writers of all time, Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. Greatest title of a book ever, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Yep. Absolute classic. Absolute <laughs> classic. And, uh, yeah, Blade Runner. I just... I, Never, never, it seems like every time I watch that film, I pick up another element to it that's right, just right. stunning. I mean, you know? I wouldn't want a vacation there, <laughs> but I don't see it as, as a, a true dystopian future because people are, are working. You know, some, some folks are prospering, those in the uh, synthetic life form biz. Yeah, them and the ones <laughs> that can get off planet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> But everybody left here is, you know, stuck Getting rained with, on constantly. It's like Seattle, yes. basically. Or New England, it seems, <laughs> yeah. these days. My God. Ugh. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it just, it's, it's so many different layers to the film. Yep. You know, you have the uh, cinema release with Harrison Ford doing the voiceover. Mm-hmm. You have the director's cut, which has no voiceover, mm-hmm. you know, which is stunning in and of itself. I mean, just, just the, the breadth of the vision, the... the just everything about it. Yeah. Well, Ridley know. Scott knows his shit. That was a Ridley indeed. Scott one, wasn't it? Uh, it was indeed. It okay. was indeed. Yeah, and just absolute classic. Yeah, he, he's one of those directors that, that knows how to make the future look dirty. Yeah. I mean, between Aliens and, and, and that. No, Aliens was James Cameron. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, the first Alien was Ridley Scott. Um, okay. Pretty sure. I don't Pretty know. sure. Could be know. wrong. Pretty yeah, sure. But anyway, Anywho, we digress as we frequently do. Yeah. Well, my number one was th- the first one I put down because it's, you know, and I, I think the common thread amongst all of these, at least the ones that made it to our respective top threes, yeah. they are, all have elements that are already going on around us. I know. Isn't that scary? Yeah, extremely. Yeah. That's why this was so easy to do. Indeed. Uh, but I'm going to go with Escape from New York. <laughs> nice. Because, nice. I mean, clearly there's parts of it that are already happening in New York. Call me Snake. <laughs> or Detroit or Baltimore or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Call me Snake. I mean, the only over-the-top part is Donald Pleasant says, says the president. Oh, I know. Hey, number one, Duke of New York. <laughs> but you, you, you put Donald Pleasant in anything, and the creep factors Oh, it skyrockets. It, you know? Skyrockets. But and Isaac Hayes. Oh, yeah. You know? it, it was a, a great ensemble cast. Yeah. Uh, Ernest Borgnine, God bless him, just passed away. It's yep. cabby. Yep. Uh, yeah, just a, a good, good movie. Kurt Russell, Tour de Force. Yeah. Yeah, him and John Carpenter, magic. Yep. That's Absolutely. Just, that's like his Absolutely. muse. He's like Scorsese to... Um, Leonardo, you yeah. know, they just make great movies together. Oh, yeah. Or Robert De Niro yep. or Joe Pesci. Yep. But, yeah, that's that's uh, the point you just made, that it's 
kind of already happening. Yeah. It like more and more as we progress seems less and less of a fantasy and more and more of a potential. Yep. That's kind of scary when you think about it. And I remember when they uh wow, I guess this is almost 3 years ago when that group like occupied portions of Seattle or right. Portland, Portland. And I went ahead and, as I sometimes do, started making memes about it. <laughs> and I had Trump's head on Snake Plissken's body, you know. And I did the whole, off of that, I did the whole movie poster of Escape from Portland, you know. Nice. Because, yeah, I mean, give it a chance. The, uh, the weeds will overgrow the pavement unless yeah. they're constantly culled back. Wow, that sounds dark. Kind of I does. just went in a just dark a place bit. right there. Yes. Comparing yeah. people to weeds and culling them. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we? <laughs> shall we loosen things up with with a, a third gem? I'm, I'm thinking so. I'm thinking so. And we should because uh, yes. we got to let everybody know that yes, the first two gems, we made a conscious decision that we wanted to really address um, the first current, and somewhat second topics. Yeah. yeah, and not make this yet another de facto Halloween episode. Right. right? So, with that being said, you, the voice of reason, says. Yeah, but John, we, we got to do at least one <laughs> Halloween song. Let's, let's put it at the end. So I'm like, you know what? You're yeah. right. And that's how you came across. Let's have a little fun, shall we? All right. Let's give them a little goo-goo muck, shall we, Johnny? A goo-goo muck by... The Cramps. See? Yeah, folks, this is one of those rare episodes where all three gems are by artists that we have not ever used before. How's that for something? Weird. Huh? Weird. I know. All right, let's play some Google Monkey. and we'll be back with a wrap-up and some stuff. Stay tuned. Well, when the sun goes down and the moon comes up I turn into a teenage Google Muck. Show up the Goo Goo Mob. I'm the ninth-head hunter looking for some head. With a way out body underneath that head. Yeah, I'll get you, baby, with a little luck. Cause I'm a
yeah. Love me some cramps. Me too. The old, often, <laughs> sometimes, I'm so often, yeah, sometimes I'll actually play those in a Rockabilly Rumble. All right. Because they do have that, that Rockabilly sound to they their They definitely punk-ness, do. They know? definitely do. They were, they were, uh. Sometimes I get the minstrel cramps real hard. Quite a sight. They're almost like performance art live. Yeah, yeah, right they are. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was Goo Goo Muck. It was from their 1981 debut album, Psychedelic Jungle. Uh, the song itself has quite a history. It was actually uh, originally written and recorded in 1962 mm. by Ronnie Cook and the Gay Lads. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course. That's a period piece. <laughs> I'm so going to tread lightly around that one. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but, uh, but it was uh, in, uh, I guess, a prescient thing. It was um, prominently featured in a 1964 episode of The Addams Family with Lisa mm. Loring doing the dance number, um, which was uh, repeated, I guess, or, or regurgitated or revived, <laughs> however you want to say All it. of the above. Yes. By uh, Jenna Ortega in the Netflix series Wednesday. Interesting. She does a little groove on the Cramps version of it. Uh-huh. And my God, it went like viral. It went around the world two huh. or three times at least. And, uh, and props to Jenna Ortega. She was just hilarious, absolutely right. hilarious doing that. And, uh, you know, a revival of, you know, a, just like I said, a classic Cramps cover. The Cramps did a lot of great covers. That was among the best of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and very very much in the Holly, Halloween uh, vibe that uh, we're kind of touching on with the second half of the show sure, tonight. Sure. So good fun there. Good fun. Yes, and good good call. That one. The minute I I started playing, I was like, "Yep, all right, nice, that's number three. Nice. So what's going on in Big Boo Radio this week, Johnny? Wow, so much stuff. But first and foremost, I need to apologize because I misspoke in the previous segment saying that uh, Ernest Borgnine had just died. You want to hear? I owe you. You, I owe nothing. And it was Burt Young, yes. of Rocky fame and other right, right. other motion pictures. Yep, yep. He passed away. Yep. And like, who doesn't love Paulie? We all love Paulie. Oh yeah, but I I love him for the role he played in Chinatown, which yes, is my, yes. one of my favorite. I think one of the best noir films of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he had a prominent role in that. A, a yep. small role, but a prominent role nonetheless. And ironically, him being a Rocky, people don't know this, but he was uh, when he was in the. Army, I believe it was. Yeah. He was the uh, Army boxing champion. Whatever he hits, he destroys. Oh, no weight kidding. class, yeah. All and right. he went pro, won some fights, and then just decided to go into acting. Nice. Go figure. Well, less, less getting punched in the head thing. Kind well, of. yeah, but you do run the risk of getting shot in the face by Alec Baldwin. This is also true. So you got to yeah. take that into account. Oh, and yes, oh. that was my chance. I took it. <laughs> I had to. Oh, shameless. You're shameless <laughs> in your Alec Baldwin shots. Absolutely shameless. But otherwise, yes, it's, uh, it's that magic time again, especially here in New England. We call it Halloween. Yep. And everybody annoyingly so has to go up to Salem yeah. where the witches yeah. were and where they're... Leggings and their Uggs. I I gotta say though, the foliage (laughs) right now is is peaking here in New England. And there's a lot. I I lamented to you earlier. um, You know, my weekend already, unfortunately, is booked up with stuff. Right. But I was going to take the Bronco Sport out four wheeling. Oh, was going to grab B, our director of security, put her in the passenger seat. And just go, you know. Good fun. Yeah, it would have been great photo shoot opportunities and everything, but uh, maybe next week. Yeah, good we'll seasonal see. fun. Yes, good yes. seasonal fun. Uh, and I would like to extend a big welcome to the group, no doubt. Who? 
to the uh, annals of the Classic Rock Showcase. Yep. So I think next week they'll be playing uh, their debut. Another really easy show to do. I'm surprised yep. I waited this long. Yeah. I was a huge, no doubt, mark in the 90s. Okay. Tragic Kingdom, along with that, and, uh, well, any number of Stone Temple Pilots albums was in my steady rotation. Right, right. Along with Beck. A lot of cool cred there. They, yeah. uh, they were uh, very, very in the whole... Uh, L.A. Underground back in the day, along with bands like Sublime, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Tragic Kingdom just blew up. Yeah. And it's it's hard now, twenty years later, for people to wrap their brains around how huge that album was at the time and how it absolutely launched. No doubt, yeah, uh, it was quite a sight to see. It really was back in the day. Yep. I yeah, uh, I can't say that originally I was a huge fan, but they were one of those bands that I began I came to appreciate, I should say, mm. over the years for their musicianship, their chops. And, of course, Gwen Stefani, rock star. Yeah, total. Rock star. Legit female rock star in, in a business that needs so many This is them. true. This is true. So, yeah, so it was, like, all about that. And, uh, you know, still putting some new shows together and whatnot. Um, as always, if you folks have any feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out, especially Michael Sean Lee. He loves reading <laughs> listener feedback. Loves it, loves it, loves it. Uh, Johnny Teflon at BigBoomRadio.com, no, folks. Just, just John. Just John? Just John right, at BigBoomRadio.com. But yeah, we'd love to hear from you, because you know, you're the reason we do this in the first place. Indeed, indeed. And on that note, that's going to be it for this, your episode 161. Wow. Right? Nice. That means we've like spent, let's say, never mind the, the gems, but on average, it takes, say, three hours to record oh, a don't show. Go, don't go there. Don't, don't do that. It to takes at least three hours for me to edit each show. 500 gems. That's <laughs> all I have to say. It's a lot of gems. It's a lot of work, yeah. but it's worth it. Good it's fun. It's a labor of love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, as always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I am Michael Jean Lee. And we will see you all on the flip side. Happy Halloween.